easy trick to editing this pod is I think you think just turn me up and sometimes if you turn audio up it can sound worse because it'll pick up like the background fan or whatever I found if I just turn you down it kind of works out pretty simple okay so what you're saying is that you can tell who edited the podcast on a given week because of how loud the whole audio is Yes. That's cool. It, I think your way probably makes more sense. I think you're just like the general. I mean, you can already tell who edited the podcast on a given week based on how good the audio editing is. Um, because if it's good, it was probably Devin. Because I'm a crazy person. Because you actually care and you put a lot of effort and love into this podcast. And I am chronically over overwhelmed with doing like way 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 too many creative projects and um this is one of them and i sometimes don't give it the attention that i really would love to be able to give it and that's the reality of the situation and the joke of the situation man talk about being overwhelmed i'm not going to compare myself to you but when i was editing the dungeons and daddies episode i'm also working on a dungeons and daddies video for youtube so i've just my editing world has been nothing but me saying the word daddy, and it's five <laughs> the synapse in my brain. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Hi, everybody. Um, speaking of hey, daddies... we're recording! Um... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Hi, everybody. Speaking of daddies, we don't have any of them on this podcast, but what we do have um, is... Uh, me, Amber Autumn, she, her, and... Prince Devin, he, him, how's it going? Collectively, we are Original Podcast Do Not Steal, a weekly podcast in which every week Devin and I take some sort of intellectual property and we make an original character in that property and then we beg you not to steal them. This week, um, is part of our Halloween spooktacular, our month-long celebration. We are gonna be talking about something a little bit different. We're gonna be talking about the oeuvre of one particular um video game designer but before we get to that we have some parasocial bonding to do everybody's favorite part of the show so uh, we have to make our make our friendship monetizable um and to do that we have to do some getting to know you questions we have to play truth or dare but with only truth and it's one person asking the truth and then we both answer it so basically not truth or dare at all (laughs) completely unrelated game Devin, here's my question for you, um, and by extension me, but I always forget that I have to answer it when I'm coming up with it. So it's my question for you, um, uh, is where do, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh. Imagine, it's like a job interview question, but it's not, a, just like in your life. Like in, like what, what forward direction do you want to be making in your life? Oh, do I want to see in my life or that I think will actually happen? I think like like goals that you have is usually the way I think that question is is understood like like things that you would like to try to make happen. Oh, I'm so used to this question not being earnest at all because I want the job. <laughs> right. No, but I'm I'm forcing you to like take it seriously. Like no, really. Dude, what do you like what do you want with your life, man? I don't fucking know. I that's a great answer. <laughs> Merch, I guess. I like, I, <laughs> I, okay, fuck it. Let, let's get earnest. I've been making videos on the YouTube space since I was a kid, right? I have 
a bunch yeah. of embarrassing videos I don't want anyone to find under a username I will not say. You and me both, buddy. And now I've got the channel and I have a basic understanding of editing and I write scripts and I spend too long on them and I've seen comment engagement and like every few weeks I get at least one subscriber and I am up to I think 299 which is more than I ever thought that isn't the daydream where I'm at a con panel and I'm like hell yeah I'm the best in the world so I don't yeah. know have having merch would be cool I think a realistic goal would be have internet content friends right if some other podcast yeah. found us and wanted us to be on and to them to be on, that's a goal, I think, that's realistic that I have for, like, a five-year plan. That would be fun as hell, yeah. So what about you? That's a good answer. Uh, oh, that's right. I am going to have to be answering this question, etc. I would uh, like... I mean, I would like a lot of things within five years. I would like to have my my, my MLIS, my, my Master's in Library and Information Science. I would love to be living in a space that I feel a lot of control over. I would love to be in like a happy and stable relationship. That would be cool for me. I would like to be able to drive. I think five years from now, I'll be 31. I would really like to be on the road to getting to having kids. Um, if not already having one already, like it, like it's like, it's coming up for me at the point in which I, like, I would like to have a stable enough financial and housing situation that I can start working to make that happen that's a that's a that's a really big goal um yeah i don't know that's a that's a few things maybe i'll have a librarianship job wouldn't that be cute be a sexy librarian and no oh one knows God. you're sexy until you you take down the top knot and you take off the glasses and then all the guys <laughs> go whoa yeah uh that's that's isn't that the dream but of course all the women are already into me so that's why you got to shoot for new heights, baby. You got to get the men to go, whoa. Yeah, that is, that's weirdly the challenge. It's like, it's that you wouldn't think it would be the challenge because, you know, like the, the cliche is that the men will go for anything and the women are more discerning, but cis people aren't that into me is the <laughs> problem. Um, trans people love me. Trans people are so into me. Um, cis people don't give a fuck. Speaking of none of those things... I was going to say, speaking of not giving a fuck, which is predicated on not really understanding or knowing a thing, the topic of which today I don't know anything about. Yeah, this is going to be an Amber Autumn Talkie episode. Um, uh, it's my week to do some of that. So we're going to be talking about kitty horror show games. I, 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 I have a few um, like caveats and asterisks and disclaimers that I want to do up front. Um because it's a little bit different than our usual subject matter in a few ways. I think it'll still work. Like, most of the episodes that we do are about, like, an established franchise. And this is about a set of works by an individual artist. And that, like, sometimes feels like a franchise. Like, like all of the Kevin Smith movies, right? We're gonna, like, we're gonna do an Askewniverse episode someday, I assume, right? Because, like approximately set in the same world and, and feels united in a common way but like usually they have like labels on them right you say the dark universe um but in this case um it really is just like a single artist who has done a bunch of little independent video games she's a video game designer um i think that it works in this case because 
um, they do really feel all connected. And in some ways, they, like, are textually connected in some spots. But, um, like, there is a, a sufficiently cohesive, like, language to the whole thing. Uh, a, a grammar is probably the better word. Like, a, a, a cohesive aesthetic throughout. A recurring set of themes and ideas and motifs. Um, and also, like, like they tend to get treated as a, as a cohesive whole. Um, uh, like, when other people cover them, um, her body of work becomes like a unified whole. I mean, it's the way she releases them too, is 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 she has this series of, um, she releases a lot of games for free on her Patreon and every once in a while she will release on Itch.io a collection of her games. And so like the collections thereof become like unified in that way. Uh, two, two, two ways that that makes things complicated um, are one, um, this is an individual person that we're talking about and I don't want to get into territory where it feels like we're, like, like psychoanalyzing the person, right? I just want to, like, disclaimer, I'm going to bring up, like, a bunch of themes and stuff that come up in the artist's work. I, I don't know what's going on in her brain. Um, none of this is an attempt to guess at what's going on in her brain. I'm talking about the work. And I want to say that up front because anytime you talk about, like, auteurs... I want to like specify I have played the beginner's guide. I know not to like assume that all of this is who this person is. You can read text through their author, but it doesn't go the other way around. Disclaimer number two. Um, and this is a weird one. It's unlikely, but I think this is an instance where it is possible that this is a, an artist who could hear this at some point. It's a small enough creative body. It's like, it's, it's niche enough that pretty much only like the people who are into artsy video games are into it, right? Like a lot of the games that I'm going to talk about today, I would guess, um, have only been played by like a handful of thousands of people, um, which is not very much at all. And also, we belong in some sub communities that are pretty small, and people tend to meet each other. It's a little unlikely, but I think this is one where a kitty horror Listen, show. If you're yeah. Amber. Yeah. I told Nicholas Eames to shut the fuck up and suck my dick. And then he retweeted the episode link. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know. It's, it's going to be hanging over my head the whole episode. I don't even know what I wanted, like, to do with that information. I just, like, it, it would have felt weird, I think, if I didn't acknowledge it at the start. Um, that, that, like, these are pretty small worlds. Um, and, and I don't. I don't know this person. This is neither like a an endorsement or a condiment. Like I have nothing in particular to say about Kitty Horror Show as a person. The, the body of work is fucking stellar, um, and I think that that's probably enough asterisks for right now to start talking about what this stuff is. So, um, Kitty Horror Show is a video game developer, as I've said a couple of times before. She makes short, um, uh, like experimental-ish uh, video games, which are. M like mostly either like released on her Patreon for patrons or free on itch or on itch for like very uh, little money. Um, they are predominantly, although not entirely horror games. There is a, a real set of things that like recur in every episode, every episode, Jesus, every, every installment, every game. Um, she has a real focus on, on spaces and the, like, agency thereof, the agency of spaces. She has a real focus on body horror, on viscera specifically, and there's a lot of big 
$5 words. There's a lot of, like, wry, dark humor. There's a lot of um, glitchy aesthetics as, um, as an aesthetic goal. They all tend to be about pain. I think that they're all... I think that all of them are stories about haunted houses at their core. Almost, almost all of them. Um, uh, her most high-profile work, the one that uh, people listening to this may or have actually played, is called Anatomy. Um, Anatomy is um, it's incredible. You should absolutely play it. It's three dollars. The first time I played it years back. This is back in like it got released back in 2016. I think I played it for the first time in like 2017. It like made my stomach upset, like in a physical way, more than like any other horror game that I had ever played. Um, and it, it's only like an hour. Like it's not a long experience. Like the 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 literal description of the game is just that you like walk around a house finding tapes and putting them in a tape player, um, and the tapes um, describe a house as though, like, it's a living person, and, like, try to compare various rooms to various parts of the body, and slowly, over the course of the game, um, the space and the game itself start to corrode and disrupt themselves. Like, that's the concept. And when I say it like that, like, you think you have an idea of what it is, but the actual playing of it is so fucking, like, embodied it is like like it's amazing how scary it manages to be without having any like like enemies to pop out at you there's no mechanical challenge it's not a difficult game it's just fucking dreadful there's like a jacob geller video where he talks about anatomy and he says the way that he's found how to describe it to people is like when you're a kid and you're the last one awake in the house um, and you have to turn the light off before you go to bed, but the light switch is over on this end of the room, and your bedroom is over on that end of the room. So you have to turn off the light switch and then walk through the dark. And that's what playing anatomy feels like. It feels like being six and having to do that again. And I don't even know if that successfully conveys everything that goes on in that game emotionally, but um, it may be the closest that I can find. It's a little bit of a strange body of work to pick for this podcast because this podcast is about making an original character in a body of work. And, and these are games that, by and large, don't have very much that we would particularly consider to be, like, characters. They're games where there are figures. Um, in Tenement, you, like, walk around a floating... Uh, uh, apartment complex, a, a tenement uh, in the sky, and you, like, talk to people, and they have, like, these monologues that are, like, kind of funny and kind of scary and, like, about um, being in these worlds where, like, horrifying things happen right next to extremely mundane things, and they're not treated as strange. They'll just, like, casually describe going into a like like going into a room they weren't supposed to go into and seeing people like with no bones trying desperately to get out and being unable to find an escape and they'll treat that with like the same level of gravity that they would treat like being annoyed that the subway is late like it's like it's super weird and funny um but they're, they're like they're not like characters they're like figures and so um like the first time when i like when I said it at the end of the last episode without really thinking about it, I was like, let's do Katie horror thing, horror show stuff. My next thought was, how the fuck are we going to make an original character? And then my thought after that was, actually, this is perfect because the, the character in Katie horror show games are almost always um, the spaces that you're in. All of the games are, are, are really concerned with 
spaces. Anatomy, you're walking around a house, and the whole game is about... That, the, like, the tagline of the game is, every house is haunted. Um, and it's about, like, the house having been built and left there, and the house getting angry. Not, like, in a conscious way, necessarily, but, like, there, like there's feeling there. The house gets angry at having been forgotten. Like, there's one in a monastery. There's There's... And that's, like, about a monastery. There are a bunch of... In towns, and those are about... Like, the experience of being in a small town is a big one in that driving game, the name of which I don't immediately remember. Actually, I'm going to pull up a list of the names of the games. I have them on my desktop here. So, these are all games about, like, spaces that are angry or lonely or hurt. They're always hurt. It's always, like, coming from a place of loneliness and hurt. To me, um, the, the way to go is like in imagining a haunted space, a space that we don't often imagine to be haunted and giving it agency, making it come alive with pain in some way. A Does botanical that... garden. Wow, okay, you had that immediately. I kind of love that. Let me talk to you for a minute about, um, uh, let's talk about Grandmother's Garden. Um, which is a, a, a game that she's made that does include a garden already. So she made this game years and years back called um, Grandmother. She's talked about both of these games being an attempt to uh, recreate a vivid nightmare that she had. Uh, in Grandmother, you like walk into a house and your grandmother is there and she's watching like static on the TV. And you have the option to turn the static off, turn the TV off. And if you do, she's just, like, sitting there whimpering, making these, like, kind of horrifying noises. And in the back, there's, like, a, a, a big book with, like, these, like, slightly horrifying passages describing people interacting with, like, ticks and, like, maggots and bugs. And, like, it's, it's all horrible viscera vermin are, like, a real recurring theme. And then uh, she, re years later, she remade it as Grandmother's Garden, a larger experience. The only game of hers I've played that is in third person that's not using first person controls, which is like largely the same, except in except if you touch her on the shoulder, um, she hands you the keys to the shed and scrawls on the wall in what looks like blood get digging. And you have to like go through the garden to get to the shovel and then uh, traipse back and dig with the shovel until the earth consumes you. That's the basic gist of the game. And some stuff that's in, I'm just going to like describe some things that are there. Um, it's so fucking alive, the garden. There are roots that are described as um, growing towards the garden. There is um, this big bulbous fleshy growth on the back of grandmother's house. Uh, and when you go up to it, the narrator says, Grandmother says I'm going to have a sister soon. Um, there's this, like, vein growing out of a cemetery. This, like, person-sized vein growing up towards the sky that's, like, thriving because you're feeding it bodies of, like, the wicked. There are ten gravestones around describing the burials of, like, ten wicked people that are causing this, like, vein to thrive. I mean, that's that's what a space might be, but that's also, like, what a garden has looked like in her work before, um, uh, just to give you some frame of reference. I love the idea of botanical garden. That's, like, a very different vibe than just, like, a garden that you have with your, like, it, like that you grow up on with your grandma. I want to ask some questions about the botanical garden, but before I get there... I want to stop and ask, like, how how clear is this sense of the, how clear is your sense of this body of work? What ask me some questions about all the things that I've just said? Yeah, 
yeah, I could be a participant in the podcast I have with you. That's a cool idea. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's your episode. I do the, the I just looked at the file for the Earthsea episode and I'm like, "My god, why don't I ever shut the fuck up?" No, it's we take turns. That's how it works. So, it's a body of work with $5 words about sort of everyday settings that then become haunted and there's long diatribes about pain and suffrage and it's all very esoteric and unnerving. I'm picturing a lot of Cat Lady and Silent Hill 2 when I think of frames of reference in my brain for all the things you've been describing. It's a real unfortunate that I've n- played neither of those things then, but uh, my roommate did uh, say the word Silent Hill to me a lot while I was um, playing these games. So, um... Silent Hill, great series. Okay. Not getting into it. Great trilogy, not a great series. Probably a little bit more abstract often than Silent Hill is. I will say, you should play Cat Lady so we can do a Cat Lady episode, because that episode would be a lot better if you also knew things. I've heard I should play Cat Lady. It's been on my list for like a decade now. <laughs> it's a good game. So you said there's a humor in the banality the entities will describe the horrible things in it. So is that like a British dry wit? Not all the games I would describe as funny. O- overwhelmingly, it's a horror game or a, a horror gaming um, uh, setup. But she has a few... Um, gloom puke is this is this I don't know why it's called gloom puke but it's this delightful game where you are on these like three floating islands and you walk around between them and talk to the people who are there and that's all it is and they're all uh, delightful and charming and one of them has a throne that is way too large and she's distraught about how large the throne is and you can go yeah it seems, I mean, it seems pretty big dude and there's another who like they're a pair of people who keep talking and the models are right next to each other but they're not animated so um you can ask them like wait which of you is which of you because it like says your names but i can't tell which and then and then uh, having them explain to you having them be like oh i'm i'm this one and i'm this one it's completely unhelpful it's funny in those like funny games there's this like there's like in edge of your you're in this place these three floating islands and they're kind of weird and there's a pyramid and nobody really knows why it's there and nobody really seems to have a sense of a world outside of these three floating islands and the the space like everybody you talk to you can ask them like what the deal is with this place and and nobody seems to know and everybody seems to have an opinion but none of it's ever informed and a few people you can ask what you look like because it's first person you get to see yourself and they all give these weird kind of slightly contradictory explanations but it, it kind of seems like you're like a ghost-like figure like a pile like imagine like a sheet over a pile of sticks and it's like kind of weird and off-putting even in the midst of it being funny i don't even remember anymore what the original question that you asked was that's fine i was gonna ask follow-up but you answered in this are these point and clicks are these first person explore boxes now i'm kind of thinking you're not gonna know what this is but clive barker's jericho you're right i don't know what that is thinking a little bit yeah i I knew i knew when i started i knew when i started you You did you said so cold shot you didn't know what clive barker's night okay here's a question do you know much about clive barker's body of work at all no okay it's a blind spot for me there's one other thing i want to bring up about her work that i think is important um which is in addition to having a lot of like 
like motific and thematic parallels there's ticks in every one of these games she writes about ticks all the time leeches are really really common too there's one where you just like walk around a city throwing bottles of leech meat at buildings um and some of them write messages um uh, on the buildings when they strike them there's a little bit of literal plot intertextuality because the, the thing about the leech game is over the course of exploring this city and looking at the posters that are inside of it there's no people there's very very often there's spaces where there should be people but there just aren't and this is one of them it's a city you're running around in and and there are all these radio towers and the radio is sometimes playing songs and, and writing that appears on buildings but there's like no one around but you gather through looking at the posters and stuff it's all about feeding and eating and some kind of like underground presence of creatures and you you sort of get the sense that this whole town at some point this whole city has become overwhelmed with this urge to feed the leeches that are underneath them probably by some kind of like other greater like force that has like taken over all of their minds and then a few years later she made this game called scarlet bow um which is the scariest game that she's ever played to me she's ever made to me i think it's 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 one of my favorites freaked me the fuck out um for no real reason but uh, i mean i mean for no like like there like there's no like lose state it was just scary is what i mean um in scarlet bow at one point you can find a little piece of paper from like a book that's describing this series of cities where the populace gets overwhelmed by some like cosmic horror entity who causes their minds to all get turned towards one horrible purpose and it drops the city from from leech bull the, the city of leech bull in as a reference in that book and so suddenly it's like oh these games are like plot connected um and there's like this 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 theme that runs through them of these like unseen like eldritch gods coming in and turning an entire city towards some terrible purpose and then she has another game um i think shortly afterwards called monastery um which is also fucking terrifying i love monastery where you're walking around a monastery and reading the writings that are written there. And over the course of walking through this monastery, you come to realize that everyone in this monastery has become religiously dedicated towards this like hive mother who wants to just like turn, like bring an insectoid hive into the entire world and turn these people into insects. And like many of them have undergone this like horrible chrysalis transformation and the ones who weren't powerful enough to who weren't strong enough to, to undergo the transformation into insects were killed because they weren't worthy. And so you read that and you're like, okay, that's like, that's a part of this. That's another angle that exists there. That doesn't like come up textually in every one of the games, but it's it's a recurring idea throughout. Um, so we don't have to incorporate that, but I definitely wanted to talk about it and it's a tool that we have. Um, I'm going to stop... I'm going to shut the fuck up about just like talking about her work. I just, I kind of got obsessed this week um, because I played a bunch in order to prepare for this. And I've been thinking about them a lot this week. What did you want to communicate with the Clive Barker reference? It, it is a combination of body of work. And I was like, yeah, it's the difference between making like a Clive Barker OC versus a Nightbreed OC. Cause like, this is a reference you will get Guillermo del Toro. A lot of his movies 
he he has motifs he has themes as an artist he likes to explore and most of his movies run within that vein of what makes a monster but they're not all interconnected i like that comparison a lot yeah here's a question i have yeah are these visuals you get to see like does she program that stuff and you look at it or are these creepy spooky text boxes you read uh mix of both it depends on what it is um so again these are games that are very focused on like glitchy aesthetics as an aesthetic goal um they look low res and kind of unpolished partly because it makes it easier to make i imagine and like it just like eases up the technological constraints but also partly because it like has a specific effect that she is specifically shooting for um and it, it gives them this this sense of unease but like in monastery for example you have all these people who are like being turned into bugs and the monastery is abandoned for like 95 percent of the playthrough you don't see anybody you are just reading on text and occasionally you're like seeing bloody knives on the floor or like maggots looking up at you pleadingly or things like that but then um there's like one room in the infirmary where you open the door and there are all these like crystalline pods that are there mid transformation. They don't do anything. They're not threatening to you, but they're like there. There's like they're there. They're throbbing. They are people who are turning into insects. I love System Shock Two and Soma. Yeah, I also love System Shock Two and Soma. Well, I love so I haven't played System Shock Two. I'm a baby. I'm a Zoomer. Too. Grandmother's garden being like teeming with life. And Tenement having a lot of, like, figures around are kind of the exception. Most of the spaces are, like, empty. Or they have stuff in them that is applying, implying people where you don't see any of them. I don't have a fully formed idea in my meat, but I'm forming visuals, and I see a botanical garden of horrible gyrating plants that look a little fleshy texture their texture should just be off and askew and one gardener just muttering phrases about feeding feeding tough fertile fertile soil make plant grow big big plant make god happy yeah i like that a lot having like exactly one character in this game who like doesn't really respond to you I would want that character to be in pain, I think, in in some way. I would want to make it clear that Here's either... Here's an idea. Yeah. The, I'm so stuck on that word. What's cow manure for plants? What's that word? Fertilizer. Fertilizer. He's the fertilizer, right? He's chopping his own fingers off so the plants grow big. Or, or do you want a more abstracted, like, it's a it's a deep suffering as opposed to, like, a grindhouse yeah. shock of... Okay, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, Like, that's good horror. It feels a little blunt to me. I think it, it does want to be a little bit more abstract and, and, and a little bit less obvious than that. I have an idea. So he's emaciated, and the idea is he's giving himself to these plants, so it's the finger chop off, but not literally. But... Maybe the deep sorrow is in you find a thing and it's like, ah, this farmer Dan and his lovely wife Susie, something bad happened. And then you 
go to one of the plants and you scritchity scratch off a thing and it says Susie and then you look at the plant three times and there's kind of a woman's face there and is this wife of plant I don't this is uh, why does he have a devotion to his wife plant this is weird I like that so okay so let me build up on it a little bit instead of he's just like standing there and is very emaciated he's like pruning the plant and um and it like keeps regrowing and his whole loop is he's shuffling back and forth between two branches that keep growing and like doing this sisyphean task of pruning them forever like all the while that he's doing that like like the 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 brambles have begun to 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 grow on him or something and it, it, it like it in some way clear that like doing this work is slowly killing him but he can't he can't stop it's it the work is never done there is always more to do yeah i did imagine him being a busy but i was imagining he like is constantly walking around this 3d space you're exploring as opposed to being in the 2d loop i'm okay with him walking around the whole 3d space um i would love to be able to like show like the never-endingness of the work in in like a in like a visceral way and to, to me like having him go in a loop was a good way of doing that making it feel never-ending what if we split it down the middle and you do a creepy watson thing where they didn't animate watson walking so every time you turn around he's just there so he's always in that loop right the pruning loop but when you're exploring other parts of the garden he can be occasionally just walking about but every time you go back to that one place, he is always there, always doing that loop, even though you just saw him in the bathroom. What did he... Woo! Spooky. Okay, yeah, that works. And he, you know, says he's always there, and it's never really clear exactly what that means. So how much of, like, it's the Gotham City, the setting is a character. How much of this garden do we want to explore? Who else... Does anyone else need to be hurting? Does the garden itself need to be suffering? I would love for the garden itself to be if we already have a like a guy that's suffering i like like the grandmother's garden thing is a little bit like the garden is thriving at the expense of you and your grandma and this is sort of doing a similar thing um so we could lean into that angle um uh or we could like having the garden be suffering as well as also a, a delight absolutely a great way to go yeah i'm thinking no one's happy to be here but damn it we're all here it's a botanical garden, right? It's made to have guests. It's made to have visitors. Um, uh, it's made to be accessible to the public. Um, and in order for the visitors to arrive, the garden has to be made ready. And so all over the garden, um, like, like from the gardener and also in other places, there are references to visitors, references to getting the garden ready for visitors. Maybe your job is to get the, maybe your job in the game is to try to make the garden ready for visitors. The, the making of the garden ready for visitors is like clearly in some way painful to the garden or painful to the guests. Is the garden an anglerfish that is luring guests in in order to um in order to devour them in some way or is the garden um like a caged animal that in a in a zoo that we are trying to 
clip into readiness. Ooh, I like both of these questions. I'm going to shoot you my original idea and yeah. sort of see where that goes. So when I picked Botanical Garden, some of it was Stardew Valley's old, so it's like I only play video games two years after they come out, and I'm late to everything, so I've finally <laughs> been playing Stardew Valley. Got it, yeah. But when I thought Botanical Garden, it's like plants go through a life cycle, and some for some reason in my brain it's shorter than us, even though that is dramatically untrue for trees, but like you watch a plant grow and die, and there's that whole cycle of death and rebirth, and that can easily lend itself to horror. And with a botanical garden, I'm thinking about plants that don't initially belong in this ecosystem, and you're forcing them to meet to these standards so you have a thing that looks pretty. So I think what makes more sense is that this is a wild animal in a cage, but I think I just taste reasons like the anglerfish more. So what are you thinking? Here's a splitting the difference concept. The the dirt is not good for it. The flowers are are beautiful and they are they are screaming. Maybe if you get like up close to them, um you like do hear noises that sound like pained whimpering. Um uh there is there is blood coming out of the roots. Literal weeping willows. Yeah. But there's like one particular part of the garden that you are not to go in. Um, there's like a, a particular part that um, uh, we communicate somehow. I don't know. They've she's used radiation crackling before. She's used um, uh, like like visual design. Sometimes just like physical barriers. There's like a part of the garden that you're clearly not meant to go in. That is clearly designed to be like a mouth. The garden is continually trying to push you into the mouth and the gardener or like some other game element is trying to pull you away from it. And the game ends when you finally go into the mouth and are eaten. And the mouth is like a really appealing place. Um, everything else is bleeding and screaming and crying. Um, but whatever part of the garden this is, is like genuinely like beautiful flowers and and bright warmth and then you go in and then there's like the biting down where it's like the final horrifying turn into like these dreadful aesthetics you drop down into a lower plane as often happens at the end of her games you lock you drop down into a lower third area things are horrifying for a minute maybe like some poetry scrawls across the screen um and then it the game quits itself is usually how that game will end. So, I don't know, is that is that anything? That that makes sense to me. It's it's hard for me cuz I'm so unfamiliar with the place, right. so I'm just kind of waiting for that amber stamp of approval, but that all makes sense to me. So, here's my question for you. Here's my here's my giving you some work to do. What part of a garden do we make feel like a mouth? It's Perhaps too obvious to say Venus flytrap, right? That's not too obvious, but like, is it a single, like a single massive cavernous carnivorous plant? Or is it like the Venus flytrap exhibit where there's like hundreds of them? You there? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think. Because when you said area you're not supposed to go to, it's just like, oh, you just have a door and there's a do not cross sign. But then you said cavernous mall so then i was like oh well the door is 
textured in a way to look like the cave that Han Solo and Leia go into. And it's not a cave, it's a worm! Okay, here's an idea. You know, the cactus section always has a big dome. Like a a greenhouse? Yeah, like a greenhouse. Yeah. And I think this is going away from the... I think this is just a separate idea now. I don't think it's fully connects. But if you... It's the first person, and you always do fun shit. You look down too far, and you clip through yourself, or you look up too far, and you see the skybox. What if when you look up, the dome is a mouth? And you're already in the belly of the beast. Yeah, having a having a, a a dome that looks like a mouth is good. What if it's an eye? Okay. Just a spooky, unblinking eye. <laughs> I like that a lot. I don't know what it means, but I like it a lot. <laughs> Maybe part of the point is that I don't know what it means. When people say esoteric, that just means it's difficult to understand, but understanding is important. That being said, I do think sometimes you just do weird shit that doesn't make sense because that's scary, right? That's it's like the whole pitch of Call of Cthulhu is that you can't understand it. And sometimes there's just weird shit and you go, why? Because the director of Legend was like, what if he's green? And they all went, I guess we have to paint Tom Cruise green. And then someone went, no, 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 I got this. Hey, director. That would be difficult. And he goes, ah, you're right. But sometimes the guy isn't there to go, no, 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 that's difficult. And he just would have been green. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily feel a strong need for us to understand every single thing that we're putting in this. I am excited about that. I am further excited by the idea that every single other plant in the garden is growing towards it. I just think that's neat. <laughs> so doing, and I'm forgetting the word. But there's a certain type of architecture where the simile of a town, the simile, the symmetry of a town all builds to like, you can find everything in the center, right? The center is the wellspring from which everything else pours from, and it makes for very easy livable cities. What if the center, the heart, the Disney castle of our garden is the flytrap? I like that. And then like going into it is going downwards, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I like this a lot. You're in a botanical garden. All the plants are growing towards the center. The center is a giant fly trap. The top of the 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 greenhouse glass forms a giant eye. There's the gardener running around and doing his whole thing. I feel I feel almost ready. When you play one of these games, what is the feeling you most dread. look forward to? Or I mean, I don't know. Do you look forward to dread? So, what element do you think we could introduce to really get you to feel that dread that we haven't touched? I would like to know what we're doing in this game. What is the player character's goal? Like, normally goals in this are light all the candles um, in the space. Find all the cassettes and put them in the cassette players. Drive around from point to point, finding all the points of interest and reading the text that is at them. Find all three knives in the space. I think it would be... God, I've been playing so much Stardew Valley. Tend to all of the plants in the specific... Because if it's a horror game, they want you to see the spooky thing they designed, right? Psychonauts 1, gem. Love it. Psychonauts 2, the dialogue is not hidden because sometimes... 
it sucks when you spend hours making all this content and then it's not seen. So I think the excuse of the next thing you have to do is go to the next spooky section of the garden and then water the plants and then you'll find a new way in which these plants are unsettling. That I love makes sense that to me. Um, because uh, then the next thing that happens in my mind is every time you water one of the plants, every time you tend to one of the plants, um, either something changes in the environment, all of the plants get get bigger or get stranger looking or get meatier, it gets louder. Um, or something changes in the gardener, like the gardener gets more emaciated every time you water a plant, or maybe something changes in you, like your steps get slower with every plant that you water. Yeah, I do like the idea that it gets loud. Because we're doing creeping, right? It's it's foreboding yeah. as a slow yeah, yeah. burn creeping atmosphere. You start the game, and the volume is very normal, but there's a slight... And the more you water the plants, the louder and more intense that distortion in the sound quality gets until you get to the last one and you have a very lethargic pace to your animation. It's the cameras waddling back and forth to match your uneven footsteps and the plants are just screaming at you. I have, um, I have one more note, which is the, the, the carnivorous plant in the center. So it doesn't open up until you've watered all of the plants you can't step inside until the end but through the whole game when you go up to it um as you approach it the audio distortion calms down so it's like restful going up towards the scary plant that is going to eat you yeah because it has to be seductive in some way right and then if you find the secret ending where you free the gardener from his sisyphean loop the plant goes, feed me, Seymour! And then you go, wait a minute, was this a Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> prequel? And it goes, yes, it was! And then, Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors, Little Shop. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the tone. Yeah, you got it. You nailed it, dude. You got it, buddy. I nailed it. It's Fun to Be a Dentist is the scariest song I've ever seen in a musical. I don't care what any of you theater nerds say. Shut the, get the fuck out of here, Sweeney Todd. Nope, Fun to Be a Dentist. Scariest goddamn song. I basically love this, and I actually feel, I like. I feel like that's a space to me personally. That feels like a like that feels like Garden as character to me. Yeah, I've just been waiting for that amber stamp of approval. Do we do one fun fact a piece? Yeah, let's do fun fact fun fact a piece. Okay. Well, no, it's not a fun. Fa it's a fucked fact. It's one a fucked, fucked fact. fact a piece. These facts fucked. <laughs> I just felt like it's like. Like it's the thing you find out and you go, oh, that's fucked. Nah. Oh, you're right. Sorry. These facts got fucked. <laughs> Good for them. These facts are sex positive. Okay. I. <laughs> As you once said, the unofficial slogan for the podcast is that idea is too stupid not to do it. But our, uh, our, our gamer, HK47, one of the. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> this this game is like <laughs> the first time he 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 tried to do horror content and he worked, so he has a he has a deep affinity for it. God fucking damn it! That's intertextuality in the podcast right there. Our fucking gaming YouTuber OC played this game. <laughs> 
kind of love that. Um, no, that's great. I want you to be watering the plants with leech blood. It's like a little obvious, um, but it's a nod to, I mean, it's a nod to leech bowl and, um, a, a, I would just like feel weird if there weren't bugs in this. There's kind of gotta be blood sucking bugs. Yeah. It's gotta be something that sucks the blood. Do we have a name for our little, our little game? I guess we do need that botanical graveyard. Ooh. <laughs> terrible name. Holy shit, that was bad. Honestly, it, like it totally is fine to just call it botanical garden. Like a lot of like 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 monastery is just named monastery, right? Tenement is named tenement. You are the expert here, and I bow to your expertise. We're just gonna name it botanical garden. It's gonna be funny in the episode title. It's going to be Botanical Garden, the Botanical Garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Jackson. <laughs> We're going to do a outro spooky mode. My name, hi everybody, has been Amber Autumn, she, her. Remember me? I talked the entire fucking time. Sorry. Thank you for listening. Um, uh, there was also another one. There was another, there was another person in this podcast, in case you didn't know. No, there wasn't. Amber, I've been dead for ten years. Let it go. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal. Join us for next week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal when Devin tries to get us to talk about spooky uh, Halloween-themed professional wrestling, but instead we revisit the failed Dark Universe it's our first official revisit, and I'm gonna talk so much. I have I'm so really much excited. to say. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a favorite episode of both of ours. I think we really like that episode, so we're gonna, we're gonna revisit. We're gonna build on it. Uh, meanwhile, um, make sure not to buy any of our merch or support our Patreon. Make sure that we can't monetize any of this. Make sure that our friendship stays pure and unmonetizable. Um, make sure we are untouched by capitalism. Uh, make sure Devin doesn't get any of the things that he wants in life. Every pause you've had, I've been about to try to get in my outro, but then I kept <laughs> yawning. <laughs> so it just, I kept not doing it. But that's, that's the catchphrase at the end. The joke is I try to monetize our friendship. <laughs> Give me money. That's the joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Okay, and I don't remember that we have any more um, uh, outro stuff. Kitty Horror Show, if you're listening to this. Uh, oh, sh shit, thanks. Why'd you do that? Bye. Retweet us. Bye. <laughs>